Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Please note the end of today's show features an addendum, which I suppose is where you normally find addendums. The addendum includes some elite level small talk and a spectacular hygiene fail. Hey, how you doing? Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Monday, the 18th of January, 2021 with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, episode 304. Hope you're all healthy. Hope you're all doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going. Hope you're all motivated too, which is not an easy thing to be right now. And today I am definitely demotivated. This pandemic life, even if you are healthy mentally, it's just draining. And it's so hard to get into a new week. And uh, I do struggle with Mondays a bit more so now, at least at the weekend, even though it's another day where you can't do much I'm down in tools and I'm trying to relax. Had a weekend where I just didn't really do much. And that was a good thing. I needed not to do anything. But now we're back into the week. I'm meant to be doing things, meant to be getting things done, meant to be getting motivated. And it's just not happening. You know, just uh, the usual concerns, concerned about the future, how much longer I can keep this roof over my head with no work coming in. It's... It's just hard to get going. This is, if you if you think about your bad periods, at least you could work towards something. But this, what can you work towards right now? Because if we're doing what we're meant to be doing, we're meant to be staying in. And uh, I've definitely got cabin fever. I know that. I had planned on getting out for a lunchtime run. There are builders in the communal hallway I suspect you will hear drilling or some carpentry. I think there's a carpenter in today. During recording of this show, I've had to put the run back just because I don't really want to navigate my way through the communal hallway with these guys around. You can barely breathe out there. Seriously, there is so much dirt and the smell, the fumes of paint fumes, dust, You can't touch the railings. Well, you shouldn't be touching the railings anyway in a pandemic. The banisters, rather. It's just so difficult to breathe out there, and that smell creeps under the door to the flat, and it's in the hallway. I'm spraying the hallway. I'm airing the hallway. It's just a horrible way to be living, and I've had to put the run back till after I finish this recording because I want to limit my chances of running into them and also they tried to get access to the flat last week no one had called they just turned up I think it was Thursday or Friday morning I communicated with them via the intercom and I didn't let them in no one had bothered telling me that David Brent that idiot whose number I've now blocked the uh, building manager the site manager how many times has this happened now since he first made contact in the summer 
you know, there was the Saturday morning where he turned up and left me a voicemail saying he'd driven 35k to get here, or 35 miles, I'm getting confused between my running and my driving, and uh, I think I'll leave that sentence as it is. If someone's listening to this for the first time, they might hear the drive-in mention and think, oh, this guy's a driver. I'll just leave it there. There was that Saturday morning where he said he tried to turn up to see me, but no one uh, was answering. Well, he hadn't let me know that he was coming. And secondly, I wouldn't let him in on a Saturday. You don't turn up at someone's house on a Saturday. And it's that lack of communication. And I just said to him in an email, what is it with your industry that the etiquette normally observed by normal people isn't observed in the building industry? They're all just so unreliable. You know, a 20-minute trip to the shop turns into an hour. So I'm inclined to just not let them back in apart from when they have to check or do further checks for the leaking roof. No one's got back to me on that. But in terms of uh, the plastering and any painting that needs to be done after the windows work was completed, no, I, no one's going to come here and I'm not going to be spending January the way I did most of December with the windows open because work was going on inside the flat. This work isn't safe. And I think this is why the work in the communal hallways and the scaffolding hasn't come down. I think this is why the work has taken so long. I suspect their numbers have been ravaged by COVID over the last few weeks. I'm being serious about this. And this is why I think that they have fallen so far behind with their work. I was reading something at the weekend about how so many construction sites are just so unsafe. It's it's just not possible to work in a safe way in construction and so many of these guys have the virus and it just really upsets me that money and profit is put before someone's health now these guys have to earn okay fine people have to earn a living most of us right now are not able to make a living but if my living impacts on you in a negative way then my opinion is that i shouldn't be allowed to continue earning what I need to keep living because the situation is a serious situation. And these guys, their work, their presence here can threaten the health of those of us in this building. So I'm just not going to be letting anyone else in unless it's to go up in the roof again, in the loft, to check, to try and establish finally where this leak is coming from. And I'm absolutely fine with that. I don't care if any plastering or paintwork needs to be done it's just not worth the risk normally i think every wednesday lunchtime i only attended two or three of these and you know being right outside a bus stop you get the buses stopping and people are you know looking at all these masked people standing on the lawn in what clearly looks like some sort of meeting wondering what's going on is this some bizarre covid era walking tour why are all these people in masks standing outside this building i'm not going to any more of those meetings and plus the independent surveyor who sends out the email relating to these weekly meetings he did say last time in his email that really given the situation here in london we should try and keep the numbers down for these meetings and uh, that was enough for me now i can hear the carpenter at work again i've got no other time to record today i need to i've been up since uh, seven this morning so once i go for the run it's just a case of uh, editing this if i haven't done it before the run getting it out and then just trying to unwind because uh, i've done enough today i think so let me just try and focus on getting you uh, a good show today which i'm not sure is going to be easy because what can you talk about when 
you've got nothing to do. I think all those trips to the cafe over the years, they kept this show afloat. Without the cafe, I just didn't do much. And now I've not had the cafe in my life for, what, 10 months now? Yeah, I can hear some drilling now. It's going to be very hard to spot these on the edit. Trying to do a, a light edit, trying to get away with a light edit. Not sure that's going to be possible today. I can't work out whether they're right outside because of the way the sound travels in this building. It's, uh, you know, these are poorly converted flats. I can't work out if they're right outside on this floor or they're below me because uh, the young guy downstairs, the one with all the money, he's constantly having work done in his flat. That guy just doesn't stop spending money. Every other day, there's some massive delivery for him. I wouldn't mind, but uh, he doesn't break his boxes down properly. He hogs all the bins on a Monday for the recycling. You end up having to break his boxes down for him. You know, if you're going to buy all this stuff, at least break the boxes down properly. You don't want to remove your name and address from the boxes. Fine, that's on you. But you're not the only one that lives here. At least break your boxes properly. I learned how to break boxes down in my Woolworth days. And that's all I was doing back then, I think. Actually, no, I was chucking out toilets my last day at Woolworths, August 1990. And that is the absolute truth. I think the toilets belonged to the stockroom. They were, I think it, that was it. My last day in Woolworths was the last day before the store in Clapham Junction was carved in half to make way for the super drugs. And I think that's something that started happening with a lot of Woolworths, certainly in London. And this was a really big store in Clapham Junction. And I thought, well, this is the right time to bow out because I don't want to work in something that is now half the size. Little knowing that in years to come, I would be moving into flats that would half the size of what they had once been as we now moved into the era of living in studio flats in London. So because Superdrug... We're also going to get half of that stockroom. I think they started breaking up a lot of the stuff in the stockroom, a lot of the old shelves, and uh, they started breaking up the toilets too. And uh, yours truly had to actually throw the toilets out. That was my last day, and uh, I think that probably confirmed to me the lack of regard the store manager had for me in that it was just uh, time to go. And on the Monday, I think it was Monday, the 14th of August, 1990. I'm not going to check the calendar. I think it was the 14th of August. I went along to Woolworths with my typed letter, a very lengthy letter to the manager. And I later heard that uh, he thought it was the funniest thing he'd read in years. He didn't like me. I didn't like him. And I tell you what, the summer of 89, when I foolishly got it into my head that rather than return to college to finally try and pass my GCSEs, I got it into my head that I'd be happy to work with my friends at Woolworths full time. That guy worked me like a dog, particularly on Mondays when the new um, deliveries came in. I'd have to be there at seven in the morning, just me and him, because they got rid of so many warehouse staff by then that it was shop staff who'd have to take in the deliveries. And uh, I was not ready to be working like that. I used to dread it. I hated working with him. And there was no rapport. He never sought to take me under his wing. I think he was trying to break me. I think he was trying to gauge whether I could possibly work under him full time or whether the, uh, whether that uh, those six weeks in the summer, whether they would just confirm to him that I was in the wrong line of work. And I think it was probably more the latter than the former. 
These guys, these builders, they were in the building on Saturday, so there's been no respite from the noise. And I do think that they are behind in their work because of the virus. And, you know, I don't see what else it could be. And that has had a massive impact on the way I can work here. I can only record interviews for the the new podcast in the evening. So sometimes during the day, there are two or three hours where I really should be maybe just resting or reading a book rather than continuing to do my stuff, given that I'm still going to be needing to work in the evenings. And it's just having that knock-on effect where I can't really structure my days properly. The scaffolding was meant to have come down by now. And we're midway through January. The scaffolding has been up, I think, since late September. And it's coming up to four months now. It's just a horrible way to live this. It really is. So I postponed my run until after I um, finish this today. Overeaten again. So in a way, I'm glad that I'm not going to be running for another hour or so. Let me give you a time check. It's 14.35 hours here in the UK. So I would imagine, ideally, I should be in the park by about 15.30, 15.45. If I'm in the park around 15.45 hours, I'm definitely running the risk of being locked in the park again. Oh, there's the throat going, no water by my side. I've overeaten again, so it's a good job that I haven't uh, gone out for the run yet. I think I'm just comfort eating, and it's always at lunchtime. And that alone, that comfort eating alone, that is enough to keep me running. Otherwise, I think I'd be two stone heavier. And I'm quite lucky that I've got enough discipline that I rarely eat between meals. I've got a box of chocolates my sister gave me for Christmas that remains unopened. I keep walking past it, glancing at the fudge bar. I think it's one of six chocolate bars in there. You know, the the fudge bar, The it's kind of shaped like a flake, orange, I think, and purple wrapping. And I see that fudge and I think I never really ate enough fudge in my life. That's an opinion I've held now for the last decade. mid noughties I had a period where I was eating a picnic bar every night in an evening job. Certainly added a few pounds because I can remember what I looked like back then. The hair was darker, but uh, I was certainly chubby. And that, I think, was the evening work and eating late. And uh, the picnic bar, I do love it. It's probably my favorite chocolate bar, though I can't remember the last time I had one. That bar, though, is a shadow of its former self these days. A bit like me, I suppose. And it's certainly significantly smaller. Either that or my hands have got bigger. But uh, of those six chocolates that I've got in that Christmas box. I'm not sure if the lime bar is in there because that's a staple of the Christmas chocolate box, isn't it? The, the, the cheap chocolate boxes. I can't recall if the lime bar's in there, but certainly the fudge bar is. I can't actually recall what the other chocolates are. I would assume there's a dairy milk. There's always a dairy milk. It's the reliable chocolate. You know, we've all got a reliable friend. Well, I used to anyway. We've all got that reliable friend that if you were going to equate your friends to chocolate bars, you'd say, that's that's my dairy milk friend. He's always going to be there. He's always going to be there for me. It's a cold day here in London. Not as cold maybe as it's been, but I will definitely be long johnning it in the park. Actually, I did a big wash because now that the plumber came, what, seven, eight, nine, no, ten days ago, longer than that, So I've been catching up on all the washing I wasn't able to do for about 10 days. And one thing that I've kept doing, because I use gloves 
for all my shopping now, regardless of what gloves I'm using. There are three sets of gloves that I tend to use. The, the woolly ones, the thick woolly ones that I dropped once on one of my runs and went back for when they were all soaked. I mentioned them again last week. That happened before Christmas. Well, I tend to use them exclusively for the running. Then I've got these really fancy, well, not fancy, but they're good quality, leather gloves. And because they're actually the one of them I dropped in the park as well early in December. And again, I think I mentioned that on a recent show and I had to go back for it in the park and people were walking past the glove and I was finally that person that loses a glove and I was walking by and I could spot the glove because I simply retraced my footsteps and I'd only just gone into the park and I made sure that I was waving the other glove that I had so people could see, ah, that's his glove. He's just going back for his glove. Well, that's happened so many times with those gloves. I've dropped them constantly and it's because I'm usually stuffing them into my back pocket, the back pocket of my jeans when I'm out. If I may be doing something with my basket, if I'm putting my basket down at the checkout at Sainsbury's or Lidl, the gloves go in my back pocket and I'm often dropping them. The other day I dropped both gloves in the Tesco's, the Tesco's and the garages. And the cashier called me back and there were the gloves on the floor. So I thought, I'm finally, th- there we go. The sound of South London. If it's not DIY, it's the police siren. You see what I mean? That was just a blind spot. They just turned it on because they were going around the blind spot, not because anything is happening. Where was I? The gloves. So I dropped the gloves in Tesco's and I thought, I've dropped these gloves so many times now, they're going to need to go in the wash. So I put them in the wash and now whatever's... I think they were on 30 or 40. It's the first time I've washed them because normally I just use the antibacterial wipe to clean them because I'm using them on the baskets at uh, supermarkets. And I took them out of the wash and right away one of the gloves now has a, a tear in it. So I'm not sure whether you're meant to wash leather gloves. That's a bit disappointing because I know even if my work starts selling inexplicably, and I start raking it in, I know that I'm never going to buy leather gloves to compare to the quality of the leather gloves that I currently have. So January, you know, as January always is, is grim, as expected. But at least the park has already put back its closing times to about 16, 15 hours. So as I say today, although I'd like to get out by about 15.30 for the run, you know, get in there for 15.45, chances are the gates will still be open by the time I finish, hopefully. The asymptomatic testing centre in the park, I was pleased to see that being put together. And I just thought, well, that's not too far from me. 30-minute turnaround on results. That'll be useful because we're all going to have to get tested on a regular basis. I I, I can't see another way of living, really, for the uh, foreseeable The stuff I've read about it this last week in the broadsheet saying how unreliable those tests are, that left me deflated. And I'm thinking now that next time I have to get tested, and, you know, there will be a next time, as I say, it's going to be a next time for me, there's going to be a next time for you. That's life right now. But the next time that happens, I'm just going to have to go back to the same testing center I had to go to over Christmas and wait the two days for the correct results, assuming it won't be a five-day wait again, because I'm not going to get a test in a place that's going to give me my results in 30 minutes if that place can't be trusted. And it does appear that these, uh, are they lateral flows? I think those tests are called the lateral flow test. It does appear to be flawed according uh, to what's in the papers at the minute. 
just feeling lazy. So I think the run will do me good, even though I'll be cursing in those uh, first 10, 15 minutes. Saturday, I think I slept for almost eight hours. I'm not sure why that was highly unusual for me. And because then I got up late, I felt sluggish for much of the morning, spent much of the weekend reading. I finished Mike Gale's All the Lonely People. Wasn't as good as the book I'd finished previously of his last month, which I can't remember the name now. And also hardback. And I just don't like hardback. So I was pleased to get it out of the way. And, you know, I've got so many books to read unless I'm absolutely loving a book. I'm always keen to finish what I'm reading. It was a decent book. His work has definitely got darker as he's got older. And I guess that's because, like all of us at this stage of life, he started to lose big people in his life. And that does shape who you are, shapes what you're right if you're a creative person. But it was, a, it was a decent read, not pulling up any trees, but, you know, decent. And I'll continue to read the guy's work because he's a decent writer. And uh, because I wasn't going to travel with the hardback on Friday when I went to the shops, I took uh, the Canterville Ghost Oscar Wilde novella, took it out with me. I think I've read it before. It is very good. I've almost uh, finished it. It was just a book for my walk, I think, because I had to get a bus back at some point from one of my um, stop-offs. And I'm now reading, as of last night, I'm reading James Lovegrove's The Beast of the Stapletons, which is a sequel to The Hound of the Baskervilles, or The Hound, as I think Sherlockians uh, refer to it. And uh, this one, I'm really enjoying it. I just have a real weakness for pastiche homes. Between me and you, I think I prefer the pastiche homes to the Conan Doyle homes, but keep that to yourself. Is there any type of book any author for you that is something of a guilty pleasure, dare I suggest getting in touch with the show. DRT available at westx1607.co.uk so we get some rare correspondence in. I'll leave that with you. Episode 304 of Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available. Follow this show on Twitter and Instagram, 1607 West Egg, facebook.com forward slash DRT available. And you can support the show by making donations via the PayPal and coffee.com links on my website, danielruiztyson.com. You'll find most of my work there. Do please rate, review, subscribe to the show and whichever platform you use. Most importantly, of course, the best way to support this work is via the Patreon page. Sign up at patreon.com forward slash DRT available. Everything comes right back into the show and supporting this work. Some housekeeping. I am trying to change the show. I'm trying to move the show from its current host. There we go, another motorbike. I'm not editing that out. Trying to change the feed is what I'm saying to you. So I'm trying to switch the show back to Acast and uh, that will give me the opportunity to finally see just how poor the number of downloads is. So that will, of course, require me changing the feed. So it might be if your usual podcatcher thing doesn't uh, pick up the latest show, you'll need to update your what whichever platform whichever app you're using i had more issues last week trying to get the show up this was an issue completely new to me after 11 years of doing this i had to get in touch with the provider and uh yeah it just makes sense to switch it to acast it'll be a lot easier and i'm just trying to work out how that can be done without losing the uh, reviews that i've got on itunes you know 
There's not many, but I don't want to lose the ones I have. I want those to come with me. Something I tweeted last week and then touched on during Friday night's Trial You Want show on uh, Mixcloud Live with Clay Lowe. I was talking about lockdown babies. And this came about because a guy had got in touch with me relating to the other show and just mentioned that they'd been on paternity leave. And that got me thinking, well, that's probably the first instance I've heard that I know of a baby being born about nine, ten months after the first lockdown. So this is a proper lockdown baby. I think the babies, you know, I'm not talking about the babies that are being born during lockdown so far. I'm talking about the babies, the genuine lockdown babies are the ones who were conceived during lockdown. And, uh, you know, last year on the show, I had wondered early on in, in the lockdown whether this might impact on, you know, the numbers of births in the coming year or so. I suppose at the moment, the answer to that would be no. I think the lockdown was so new that I guess people thought it might blow over. Let's just continue doing what we normally do at night. But I do think that it'll be interesting to see if, okay, so some babies are being born now. Okay, so that would have been the early lockdown weeks, March, April. They would have been conceived in the early weeks of lockdown when we didn't really know what was going on. But as we became more familiar, as we began to understand this virus more, as we move into the late spring, early summer, I do wonder whether any couples who had been contemplating starting a family, whether they really began to take note of just how grim things were and the thought of bringing kids into this new world for them, maybe merited further consideration, you know, as 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 we all started to realize that this pandemic wasn't going to be easily beaten. So I think I expect that there will be more babies being born this early part of the year. But it will be interesting, I think, come March, April, May to see if those figures tail off and what that might tell us about the thinking that maybe couples started to have as the first lockdown moved into the summer. I'm curious about that. You may not be. I am. Let me give you my latest nectar points. Now, the problem with this update, which is a, a milestone update because I finally broke the 500 points barrier, done something to one of my teeth the last couple of days. It's uh, playing up. That might be stress. So I've lost my receipt. So what I've had to do today is if I've, I've had to go into my nectar account online, resetting the password because I barely remember all my passwords. And the only reason I had to do that was because I want to give you my update. I'll have to try and remember what I bought because the transactions list doesn't actually give you that. So let me go on here. I'll, I've done okay since uh, January. I picked up, I'm just looking at the list here, 16 Nectar Points on the 2nd. Three via eBay on the 7th. That was actually a disappointing uh Star Wars action figure that arrived. Um, not really. Some of these newer action figures, they're not great for Star Wars football. So I was a, I felt a bit flat after getting that first figure. So that was three points via eBay for that Star Wars figure. On the 8th, I picked up five points, which I reported to you last week. On the 13th, so that would have been last week's Nectar points, the ones I haven't given you. I picked up five points. I think I, I'm not sure how much I spent. I don't think I spent that much. But it finally took me over the 500 points mark. And then on Saturday, I got six 
Nectar Points via eBay, I picked up uh, two vintage action figures. I've got 511 Nectar Points, and that's worth at least £2.55. What did I get from Sainsbury's? The usual stuff. I think there was a yogurt, a low-fat yogurt. There was the milk that I always get. I don't think I got oranges because their deals on oranges right now are quite prohibitive. They're about 180 for, I think, four or five large oranges, which I'm not prepared to pay more than 30p for a single orange. Didn't get any baked potatoes because I've got enough at the minute. So that's it at the moment. That's what I can remember. 511 nectar points. That's not bad. Uh, I'm thinking now I was slightly deluded thinking I'd break the 500 before Christmas given I've had so much trouble getting to the 500 now and we are in mid-January. One thing to report was a, a trip to Little in Stockwell on Friday which actually afforded me the unexpected opportunity, as a throat, unexpected opportunity of seeing a few, lit, um, not even little regulars, cafe regulars in, uh, in Little in Stockwell. And it was good to see them because obviously it told me, well, these people are alive. The virus hasn't claimed them. Not yet anyway, though I suspect some of them would have had the virus given the uh, lack of hand washing in that place over the last 20 years. The person I was happiest to see was uh, Phil Collins. I saw the unmistakable great posture that could only belong to her, the little waitress, formerly kitchen staff, who about 10 years ago made the initially difficult transition from being kitchen staff to waitress and then ended up just through pure hard work because like me she wasn't a people person through pure hard work she's just become one of the all-time greats in that cafe I saw her no longer able to dye her hair so she's got a big Malin streak at the front I knew it was her just from the walk, the unmistakable centaur-like walk and also I recognized her partner both of them are roughly the same age, middle-aged, uh, also quite short, the pair of them. Her partner has longer permed hair. The partner, she's probably a little younger than Phil. They've been together for years. They live in South Lambeth. I was happy to see Phil. I don't think that she would have recognized me with my mask and hat, but I did keep my eye on where she was in the shop and made sure that I wasn't in the same aisle as her just in case uh, she maybe recognized me in the way that I was able to recognize her. I also saw another two regulars in there from the cafe, including another woman with a perm. That got me thinking, that perm looks relatively new. Where she had that done? Because even my aunt can't get her hairdresser over right now. So that made me a bit suspicious as to whether they've been observing the lockdown properly. And also, you'd have thought this would have finally been the opportunity for that community, the Iberian community, to finally let go of the perm. You know, if my aunt, after 40 years of perming her hair, finally in 2019 said, that's it, I'm done with the perm. I've spent half my life with the perm. That's it. It's done. If she can do that, surely these later uh, perm devotees could maybe wave uh, wave the perm goodbye. Some Star Wars football results uh, to give you right now. Quite a few games, actually, over the last uh, few days because I'm so far behind on fixtures. Champions League Group B, EOS Prime 3, Yavin 2-4. So Yavin 4 had won their first uh, encounter, I think, 3-2. So... 
I'm trying to think. Well, I've got the tables later in this notebook, so I'll give you the tables shortly. Champions League Group D, Moz Eisley 3, Cantonica 2. Now, that's the game that was uh, a reversal of the first result. I can't remember the first result between EOS Prime and Yavin 4. Let me give you the Champions League group tables. Group A, this is the floor because I've expanded the Champions League this season, Silver Age Season 5. I've expanded it to 12 teams, but it means four groups of three teams. So some teams have already qualified after just two games. So that's the floor. The group stage is weaker this season, though I expect the knockout stage because it has an extra round. That's where fans will see. Okay, so this is why we made this change, this Champions League looks stronger. But I'm going to have to address the the weak group stage at the moment. So Group A, Alderaan and Endor have both qualified. Alderaan top three points, uh, sorry, seven points from three games. Endor have currently played two games. They've got four points. They play Alderaan next, I think, or Saku Minor Sky. I can't read my writing. And that minor team, they're bottom with a goal difference of minus eight they're a bit like one of those countries that goes to the World Cup and ends up losing games 8-0. You're probably thinking, ah, they don't belong in this uh, in this tournament. Group B, defending champions Tatooine have already qualified after just two games. They've got a goal difference of plus seven, no goals conceded, six points from two games. EOS Prime, they've got six points from three games. Their one defeat, a hefty 4-0 at reversal to Tatooine, their goal difference is minus two. Yavin four, bottom, no points from three games. Group C, X-Wing and Mandalay have both qualified. X-Wing's only defeat came at the hands of Mandalay. Mandalay have a game in hand. They've got four points, two points behind X-Wing. Dagobah are bottom with one point from three games. Group D is the cliffhanger. That is the one group that may go to the wire. Death Star currently top. Uh, four points from two games, plus two goal difference. Moz Eisley got four points from three games, zero goal difference. Cantonica have four points, minus two, and they've also played three. So uh, that's interesting. That's the one group that uh, is going to maintain the interest right to the end. Uh, league fixtures. This is week seven of the league fixtures. Halfway point now. The Cloud City Derby on Saturday night. Besbin 2, Death Star 3, Besbin's first defeat of the season. Death Star much criticised. They were two goals up. Besbin pulled it back to 2-2. A brace from Bosk, the out-of-sorts striker who got 20 goals two seasons ago in Besbin's title-winning season. So he's now got three goals this season. But Death Star came back to uh, win uh, late on with a goal from ZX Infantryman, the action force figure so Death Star stayed top on 14 points from seven games identical points wise to last season when they also went into the halfway stage on 14 points but only picked up a further seven points as their form tailed off in the second half of the season Empire 3 Rebels 1 Empire in second place now 13 points and I think they probably look the strongest team this season the turnaround this season they finished eighth last season bottom of the table this season they're the only unbeaten team now in the league and they already have the Christmas Cup that they won on Christmas Eve they've got that under their belt they're out of the League Cup lost on a penalty uh, to a second division side and couldn't reverse uh, the score in the second leg Stormtrooper the signing of Stormtrooper has absolutely galvanized them and he's in the form of his long career because he's been playing Star Wars football since before the league started. Because before the league started, 
in October 82, what I'd actually play was uh, monsters and I used to call them droids or ro- robots, I can't remember, but Stormtrooper was with the monsters and they'd play the humans action figures in Star Wars football and Stormtrooper and Snaggletooth were up front for the monsters. So he's been playing Star Wars football for a long time. Surprise result, perhaps of the uh, the season so far, Aldron, early favourites for the league. They're having a disastrous time in the league. It's still only scored three goals in seven games. They lost 2-0 at home to Hoth, who now leapfrogged them into fifth place. And Tatooine, a disappointing one-all draw at home to X-Wing. Tatooine now haven't won for four games in the league, the defending champions. X-Wing just one defeat in eight. They still remain bottom, though, on five points. But they'll be pleased that they uh, got a point at Sandy Lane. A known goal got them back into the game. So top four. Death Star, uh, 14 points from seven games. Empire on 13 points from seven. They've all played seven. Bespin, they uh, they lost their first game of the season. They're on 10 points in third place. Tatooine uh, in fourth on nine points. Fifth place, Hoth on eight. Alderaan sixth on seven. Rebels and X-Wing both bottom with five points each. Rebels uh, in seventh place by dint of having a better goal difference. They're on minus six as opposed to X-Wing who are on minus Seven. So as you would have uh, heard there on the uh, Nectar points, I bought uh, three vintage action figures in the last week. There was a moment last week where I was bidding for one figure and I got beaten. But as I was bidding, I could feel the butterflies in my stomach. And I thought, really, is this what it takes these days to make me feel excited? Is, Is this how I get off nowadays? And a uh, similar situation Saturday night when I was blown away on one bid. Well, I wasn't blown away. There wasn't much in it, but I thought, do I want that action figure enough? Can I see them slotting into a team easily? And the answer was no. So I let that go. And then I bought two action figures that I won for, I think, £3 each. One them from the same seller. Going to sign off with another police siren. There we go. Never see them, but you always hear them. And that is uh, that is me. I'm back later in the week with another Mixcloud live show. Try all you want on Friday night, 8 to 9.30 p.m. on Mixcloud uh, with Clay Lowe. Quite the cameo in the live chat on Try All You Want on Friday night. Baxmatic dropping in, updating us with German football results as they came in. And uh, a little potential double act forming between him and our friend in Canada, Gemma, in the live chat. You can follow that Twitter account at try all you want underscore and uh, of course i'll be back too with when shorts was short my historical football show hopefully a new episode of that out on thursday or friday get those shoulders back keep on walking towards the sun keep washing those hands i'm daniel ruiz tyson and this start of the week i have been available been a while since I've done one of these and normally they're quite traumatic but this isn't really uh, traumatic this if anything beefs up uh, today's show 
I suppose. And I was coming back from the park. Actually, let me start as I left the flat. I finally saw what all the noise today was. All the work was that they've started putting the carpets down, the new carpets in the communal hallways. And I have to admit that I didn't actually think as I left for my run just after recording today's show about an hour ago, I didn't actually consider that on my return, I'd probably have to remove my trainer's to come up the stairs, otherwise everyone would know that I was behind the muddy footprints. It's something that I hadn't considered. But anyway, as I'm coming back, I'm thinking as I get to the front door, and I've I've come back from the park, it's not been a great run. If anything, I was quite lazy. Still, at least I got out there. But uh, even though today's been dry in London, the park is, I mean, it's just so muddy. My trainers, my running shoes, I was coming back. They just caked in mud. They're like Arnold Schwarzenegger at the end of the um, what's that film, Predator. I don't have many film references. I think Predator is the one where him and his surviving colleagues, or is it just him by the end of it, who he, he coats himself in a, a, layer, a layer of mud. And that's what my trainers look like right now. So I'm coming back and I'm thinking, okay, although the new carpet hasn't yet been put down on the ground floor or on the first set of stairs as you come into the building I thought I'd better remove the trainers so I take the trainers off no actually I open the door and the two downstairs neighbors are there two women Uh, I get on with them uh, fairly uh, well both masked up I'm using my buffer my running buffer as my mask and uh, I'm telling them, look, I better take my trainers off because we've got uh, some new carpet upstairs. So that leads me into some small talk. And it was, I don't know whether it was a combination of the mask or simply the fact that I was fresh from doing the show. So I had a few a few lines I'd used on the show about how the building industry just seems to attract mavericks and how I suspect their numbers have been ravaged by COVID over the last few weeks, which is why the scaffolding still hasn't come down and why they're so behind on their work and all the issues I've had with David Brent. And uh, they started asking me about the state of my uh, my front door, which, like theirs, has been painted before the communal hallways uh, work has been completed, which made no sense because it means that they've all been scuffed. All the doors have been scuffed. The builders or the, the company, the construction company, are offering to redo the doors. And they've just been told, look, leave us a pot of paint and we'll do it when you're gone. No one's letting their builders come in to do any more plastering or painting. We just don't want them inside the flats anymore. It's just such an uncomfortable few weeks here. So anyway, I'm I'm holding court here. I'm literally holding court and I could see the cheeks of both women rising and I could see, you know, I don't think you can fake a smile behind a mask. Uh, you know, the, the smiles were coming through the masks and they must have been thinking, well, he's unusually personable because, you know, quite often he's a bit grumpy. They, of course, had no idea that just an hour earlier I'd been using similar lines on the show, which I hasten to add were actually fresh for the show. What they weren't was fresh when I delivered them to the neighbours, but uh, they don't know. So that was some elite-level small talking. I've taken the trainers off. I'm double-socked. This time I've got my white sports socks, my slazingers. They're my exterior socks. I've got some grey socks on underneath and uh, you may have seen the Instagram picture, and that was a genuine mistake. It's either that or early onset of dementia, where I took to the park on Friday in one black sock and one white sock. And the thing is, I'd actually made a point. I'd, I'd realized this before I left the flat. So I made a point of changing the black sock 
I took the black sock off to remove the white sock on underneath so I could then put the black, uh, sorry, the white sock over the black sock. It was only after my run on Friday that I realized even though I'd removed the socks with the express intention of swapping them over, I hadn't actually done it. So I was running with a black sock on one foot and a white sock on the other. So, you know, perhaps uh, looking like mentally ill man running through park, perhaps, who knows? Today, I didn't make that mistake. But anyway, I'm then I've I've said uh, I've wished both uh, neighbors, you know, a, a nice evening. Actually, I think I said have a nice day, which is probably the wrong uh, part in term to use at 1630 hours. Really, I should have just said have a nice evening. So I'm going up the stairs in my socks, trainers in hand, which I, I like to think I would have done had they not been in the hallway. That was my intention. I wasn't going to get the new carpets covered in mud. And then I get to my door, I step inside, I step inside on the wooden floors, and I think, oh, what have I done here? I've just been walking through the communal hallway. Okay, these are brand new carpets. They won't have been walked on by too many people, but the few people that will have walked on them have been wearing outdoor shoes, such as myself when I was going to the park and whoever was putting the carpets down. So that was a spectacular mistake. It happened just with the one foot. The other foot I kept in the air while I tried to remove the uh, sock. What did I do? I can't remember how I did that. But I removed the socks, the outer socks, the white socks that had been in the communal hallways. Placed my trainers on the newspaper by the door that I use for when they're covered in mud. And again, another, it was a double hygiene fail. My woolly gloves, for some reason, because... You know, I'd been horrified to note that I'd actually walked right into the the hallway inside the flat in what were effectively outdoor socks. I completely forgot myself. I put my gloves down on the mat, which is specifically for shoe removal. And I'm thinking, oh, I've never done that. That has never happened. I've never put gloves down. I've never put anything down other than rubbish bags and trainers on that particular mat. So those gloves have now gone into the washing machine. So all happening. In fact, the return home after the run was actually more eventful than the run. That's the way it goes sometimes.